Who has two thumbs and forgot to get his recording equipment? Me pointing at Cameron. Yeah, I did. I did, though. Okay. How are you going to get the the Coca-Cola and the other uh, sodas out of your uh, mouth and your voice without your pop filter? <laughs> Ooh, a real West Coast <laughs> joke. Yeah, I'm, I'm flashing the W sign right now. Welcome to Think Outside the Box Set. It's a podcast about learning to appreciate artists that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. And today, we've got a very special episode for you to, to listen to. We're closing to. out season eight. That, that's it. That's, it's, that's all she wrote. We're, we're done. <laughs> yeah. We're, take, we're taking a little... We had been taking a little break from our normal programming where we listen to an artist's entire back catalog. Um... And uh, we were just sort of flitting around, listening to a bunch of different artists, um, exploring uh, music a little more a little more casually than we have before, and not trying to do a deep dive, just taking a little breath of fresh air. And now we're taking a break from taking a break, starting yeah. uh, when we start back up. <laughs> That's I shouldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't dare. Yeah, so today... We are going to pick, we're going to find out, we are going to bracketize a tournament to the, to the death all of these artists that we could listen to. Yes. Yes. Fight. Fight. Round and one, fight. They're all, they've all been suggested by listeners. Yes. So Thank you, dear listeners, for suggesting these very good artists. Yeah. And, are, and by we, very we, good, I mean good for the show. Yes. Yes. That's, yeah. The, the, it doesn't necessarily uh, follow that some uh, good artist is necessarily going to be the best uh, uh, choice for the show. Because it's, it's fun to listen to bad music sometimes, too. Wouldn't you say, Cameron? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is sometimes. it a good, bad uh, album? Uh, an album you kind of liked? Or... Uh, Spookily right. good bad. <laughs> okay, well, did 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 you want to um, talk about the the bargain, the 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 deal that you're going to propose to our listeners? Oh yes. All right. So we're doing a listener bracket, and here's the thing. I mean, we're happy to choose a listener suggested artist, and all of the people in this bracket will be listener suggested. Um, but in exchange. We would ask you that during this season that you share the show um, with as many people as possible, specifically whoever we choose, find the corners of the internet where people are interested in this artist, whoever we choose, and, uh, you know, plug, uh, plug the show. Maybe say like, hey, this episode talks about this album, and uh, they talk, and they, like, sh- share some insight that maybe we have onto the artists and, uh, you know, bring it up as a topic of conversation, see if people agree with it or not, and just get a conversation going. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a good one. Just get it going. And so that people know that we're out there, um, and, uh, talking about the artists that they like, because something I didn't expect, uh, is for our listeners to be so comprised of people who are fans of the artists that we cover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, cause we're not, 
I mean, that's the sort of the point of the show, I, I, at least up until this point, is that we're covering artists who we're unf- that you and I are un- unfamiliar mm-hmm. with. So it's interesting to have our listeners. I feel like it really started with ICP because yeah. we got a bunch of juggalos uh, yeah. or former juggalos to start listening to the show. You know, so like, <laughs> um, yeah, I think maybe we've overlooked that in the past as like a huge listener base is like people who want to hear our takes on their. Uh, on their favorite music or some of the music that they care about and to sort of experience it again for the first time through fresh ears. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, we give you, yeah, spread it around. Um, we give you authority over impure spirits and, uh, we, we want you to, to take nothing for the journey except a staff. Um, the, the journey to the dark corners of the internet where these artists are celebrated. Uh, no, a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Uh, you can wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, any website, any, uh, Snapchat user, any Twitter hashtag trending, I want you to leave that place and shake the dust off your digital feet as a digital testimony against them. Yeah. Good Bible. (laughs) (laughs) I've literally got it in front of me, right? Reading out of it. (laughs) I didn't have that all memorized. I was going to say, is that all off the top of the dome? (laughs) (laughs) Dear Lord, so much Bible on this podcast. (laughs) It's so holy. Yeah. We're just sharing our testimony, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you don't spread the show, we'll kill this dog. Yeah. I've prepared four artists. Did you prepare four artists? Uh-huh. So we're going to have uh, four rounds and then two rounds. And then uh, I guess we'll maybe we'll go right up until the decision for the last two. And should we do leave it up to another listener vote? I think so. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I like that. Hey, here, here's an idea. Should we have the... No, we... I was going to consider maybe just having the link to the vote be in the Discord, but I don't know if we have a way to pin a vote or anything so that people oh, can actually find it. Yeah. I'll just put it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, and the, the show notes link will be a no spoilers so that like you can click on the link at the end. And then once you follow through with that link, then you'll see who the, uh, the final two choices are. Yeah. The final countdown. Yeah. Speaking of no spoilers, um, uh, Cameron's prepared yeah. four artists, and as have I, but Cameron doesn't know what my artists are, but I know what Cameron's artists are. Yeah. So that's fun. But you don't know which one I'm going to choose first. I think we should both say it at the same time. That sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds like it will sound terrible. Uh, well, no, it, it won't sound terrible because it'll, it'll, it'll work itself out. Are, are you, wait, you know does I mean? that mean you're going to edit it so that we're not over-talking? We're not going to be over-talking because if we say it at the same time, it'll happen, it'll be, because there's a delay. Oh, Skype delay. Yeah. Okay. It'll work itself out. All right. Well, if you say so, you're editing this one. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Don't right. remind me. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So, we're going we to, any any other uh, clearing, clearing of the decks? Any uh, swabbing the uh, decks? Any, anything uh, else we no, got to no, get no, out of the way? No, 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 no. Okay. No, all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, <clears throat> can, can you do it on the count of three? Can you count it off? And then I'll say, and then we'll Wait. both say it after on, three. On three or three and then go. 
You if you say three, you can't say well, who your artist is. You fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's what if it's three doors down? What if it's three doors down? Yeah, okay. <laughs> three days grace, fine. It, Every it single one of them is three doors down. Three doors down or three days grace, or I'm gonna goddamn quit the podcast. <laughs> or third eye blind. So it sort of works. <sighs> one two third eye blind. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> All right, so three and then go. So mad. Zero, one, two, <laughs> three. The Velvet Underground. My Chemical Romance. That was a little uh, zero-indexed uh, programmer humor for you. How you like that? <laughs> pretty good. Very relevant to my experience and where I'm coming from. Oh, totally. Yeah. And the so references that I like. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, zero indexing. It's a real barrel of laughs. So My Chemical Romance versus The Velvet Underground. That's right. Mmm, interesting. Uh, let's listen to, uh, you have you have some prepared uh, uh, MCR stuff. Yeah, so, okay. Maybe, maybe we should talk a little bit about this first. Um, <laughs> I only have one sound sample, um, and it's from the song... It's not a fashion statement. It's a fucking death wish, which uh-huh. is a real choice <laughs> to have a title. Um, fashion victim or fashion slave. Right. So I want to read the genius annotation uh, for this whole song real quick. Um, oh, please. Like the general genius annotation for it before listening to it. Here it is. This is from three contributors, Rose Coffins, Char, Anne, and I am aware that I am an asshole. <laughs> hmm. Pretty good. Um, it's not a fashion statement, ellipses. Plays an important role in the story of the album. Our protagonist is nearing the end of his adventure and making a final attempt to reunite with his lover. The song's title is altered on many music platforms and retailered as it's not a fashion statement, it's a death wish, taking out the fucking, um, which I think totally changes the meaning of the song, but whatever. Uh, in 2013... Yeah, I mean, like, you, you, uh, was it Freud that thought that uh, the, the death wish was right next to the, to the wish to procreate, the, de- the sex wish? Yeah. Like, they're intermingled, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a fucking death wish. Uh, the Little Deaths. Uh, in 2013, yeah. Gerard tweeted that this song was his favorite off the album. Um, so the reason I want to say that is because Gerard, My Chemical who? Romance, Depardieu. No, Gerard Way, the songwriter, um, oh, he, and also the writer no of The Umbrella Academy, the new Netflix what? superhero series. He does two yep. things. <laughs> How? That's right. I don't even have, I can't even do one thing. That seems a bit selfish. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so apparently there's like storylines for all of these albums. Um, Like, I think it might be this one or maybe another album. Like, someone makes a deal with the devil to murder a thousand people so that he can be reunited in hell with his lover or something. I mean, who, who of us haven't done that? You know? There's like a bunch of uh, a bunch of business about like that kind of thing, <laughs> like in uh, so in they write my rock chemical operas. romance. 
Yeah, but the the lyrics are really vague, and I don't know where this other information is coming from. So I think that's mm. part of the thing that I think we should talk about. Like, <laughs> are these songs? That's one of the mysteries for My Chemical Romance. Are these songs deserving of these backstories? Like, do they actually flesh ah, them out? Uh-huh. So, anyway, play, play that sample, please. That's, well, at least for mine. <laughs> uh, so the reason I wanted to highlight those lyrics, the other interesting thing I think about My Chemical Romance is the emo culture. It's something right. that I know very little about. I feel like it's a thing that kind of started when you and I were in middle school and high school. Yeah, um, and it was widely derided. It was widely derided. Um, and uh, it's something that's still exists in various iterations um in culture today especially among kids um okay cameron generally finish this sat uh analogy question uh emos are to blank what juggalos are to blank wait right (laughs) kind of got away from me (laughs) okay (laughs) just fill in Uh, both blanks yeah um see that's the thing i don't really know for the first one, like I have a vague understanding that My Chemical Romance is an emo band um, or is part of the sort of emo tradition. But the thing that I was surprised when I was listening to these songs in preparation is how um, confident and how sort of even aggressive um, and uh, just sure of, of themselves, like the characters in these songs are like this this bridge the hole you put me in wasn't deep enough and i'm climbing out right now you're running out of places to hide from me whoa that's like a a very confident slayer shit yeah (laughs) um and this pre-chorus i will avenge my ghost with every breath i take i'm coming back from the dead and i'll take you home with me i'm taking back the life you stole there's a lot of like confidence in here and i feel like emo culture Mm -hmm. from my very limited understanding is um characterized by sort of insecurity and uh, um debilitating depression like and the inability to move and to make decisions and like being feeling stuck and trapped but like i I don't know i feel like there's there's kind of a um almost like punky side to emo culture or strain of it or i knew some people who wore like white belts with studs on them and tight jeans and black uh t-shirts and like swooped hair and it was kind of like a emo punk thing um i'm interested to see like what is my chemical romance's role 
in in emo culture how do they interface with it um because it seems like it seems i'm wondering if is there some sort of are they offering a an actual catharsis Ah. for people who are struggling Mm -hmm. as opposed to um uh a way to sort of uh wallow in a feeling which i'm not saying is necessarily bad either right um yeah, Cameron. If All we of cover these songs them, are sort of um, grand are we, and mythic. If we cover them, are we always going to have to talk about your chemical romance, or can we talk about mine every <laughs> once in a while? God, uh, it's always going to be mine because it's the one that I chose. Um, uh, maybe I should look up. Maybe it'd be cool to uh, highlight who recommended each one of these songs. Oh boy, I. I mean, I mean artists. <laughs> um. I wish I had kept that information. That? I wish I had kept what? that information. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe know. I'll do it. Um, MCR. Well, I I'm searching. Okay, yeah, Mutant Mindframe in the Discord says I think MCR would be a great next season, but that was in response to someone. My votes are still for my Chemical Romance. Yeah, so that's someone on the Discord. Ah, that's their their name. Who is it? So. Uh, and and who, um, who is on first also is someone on and that's okay. also a good <laughs> segue because they da, someone da, also da. recommended velvet underground yeah so let's listen to a velvet underground song uh let's see which one did i choose it's oh sweet nothing i wanted to choose something that was not from the velvet underground and nico the banana hammock cover that everyone knows everyone's seen it everywhere uh andy warhol did the cover um, so I chose this. I forget what album it's from. It's it's their their highest played track on Spotify. That's not from the Velvet Underground and Nico. If you're worried, Cameron, if you're worried about John Cale uh, rearing his obtuse head, uh, I think this this particular album was, was after he had left the band already. Okay, great. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, Velvet Underground. This is, uh, like, famously, people said about them that not a lot of people bought their first album, but everyone who did started their own band with the idea being uh, they were very influential, even if not right. enormously popular. Um, and that's basically what I know about them, uh, except that Lou Reed, of course, was in this band and then struck off on his own solo career. Uh, yes, I, I, which take is to say, he took a walk on the wild side, the solo career artist side. That is. So why why do you want to talk about uh, Velvet Underground for how many seasons? I mean, how many episodes? How uh, long would the season? Be? I, th- I only think they had a few albums. Okay, because mm. My Chemical Romance would be a four-album season. That's nice and short. Yeah, just a little taste, a little taster. It's a little dip. A little flight, tasting flight. A little snuff. Uh, Velvet Underground, five albums. 1973 was the last one with Squeeze, which has an extremely phallic cover. Ooh. So, yeah, why do you want to talk about Velvet Underground? What's interesting to them, to you what's, about what's them? What's interesting to them? Well, Lewis Reed is dead, so who knows? Yeah. Um well, I think I think their uh, their influentialness is really interesting. Um, 
and I want to see if the like to what extent they've shaped uh, music since. Sort of like looking back and thinking, you know, um, w- what did they invent? What did they uh, affect in music, and uh, that we still hear or have heard before? Um, and especially see if that continues after uh, their first album, because mm. or maybe their first and second album, because the Velvet Underground and Nico, I think, was the really influential one. Um, and then maybe White Light and White Heat was also a little bit influential, but they have a couple more albums that I don't think were as big in like the music scene or underground or whatever. All right. Yeah. So how do we resolve this? My Chemical Romance or The Velvet Underground? Right. Um, well, we, we don't have some sort of tiebreaker. So I think... It's more just uh, how much do you want to do my? Uh, how much do you want to do Velvet Underground? How excited are you about it? Um, I'm a little excited, but I think I might be persuaded that MCR could be really good, um, especially considering that, as you said, you and I lived through the emo years, and uh, yeah, just that whole thing just like passed me by. I was only dimly aware of it. As I was right. dimly aware of so many things. I'm reading the uh, Wikipedia entry on emo. <laughs> oh, good. Um, and uh, I think this is—I think this is interesting. Uh, this what I'm about to read. The emo subculture is stereo, stereotypically associated with emotion, sensitivity, sensitivity. Uh, do you say misanthropy or misanthropy? I think I say misanthropy. Misanthropy, shyness, introversion, and angst, as well as depression, self-harm, and suicide. Its quick rise in popularity in the early 2000s inspired a backlash with bands such as My Chemical Romance and Panic at the Disco, rejecting the emo label because of the social stigma and controversy surrounding it. Which I think Ah, is interesting because uh earlier on in the same paragraph it says emos are known for listening to emo bands like My Chemical Romance. Hawthorne yep. Heights, <laughs> they used in AFI. They were not successful so, at distancing themselves. Yeah, but I, I'm kind of interested in this this idea that like they had something to offer the like you know emo the I the kids who are identifying with emo culture and emo <gasps> like like a general aesthetic and what uh, cameron i was just i happened to look at the black parade which i think is their most prominent album and yeah. uh fucking you'll never guess who guests guests on uh the song mama is fucking liza minnelli <gasps> see that sounds awesome <laughs> i know right isn't that like is the that most not interesting enough to convince you <laughs> <laughs> okay i vote for liza minnelli <laughs> Okay, great. As Liza, heard in. <laughs> Liza Minnelli wins the first round. The the other reason I sort of have a personal kind of, it's not a big stake, but I have a little bit of a personal stake in My Chemical Romance is because I taught teenagers music for the last five years before I moved to Portland. And uh, My Chemical Romance was like, it was popular when I was in high school. And it's still popular to high schoolers today. It's just um, now it's classic rock. Right. <laughs> no, I think they're still making new albums. And no, they're, they're making not. I was, that, just, I was just looking. Um, 
They were only they're uh, active till they broke up or went defunct in 2013. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that was a while ago. All right. Well, <laughs> it's only six years they're, ago. They're still resonating with like kids today, and uh, I think that's interesting. And like, I often had a, a feeling of like, well, I don't really relate to. <laughs> these kids mm-hmm. you know like and where they're coming from um because it's like and and also like i a little bit of a feeling of like i never did you know like i didn't i was never really n- drawn to this kind of music so i think i kind of yeah, like because i cared about those kids and i like and also kids who were my age like when we were kids like who liked this music i cared about them too and i think i i'm just kind of interested in understanding a little more and like yeah, me living too. in that headspace a little more. So yeah, and we can like compare uh, subcultures, juggalos and emos and all that. Yeah, stuff. I don't think there's. I think there's some overlap there. Could be. Yeah, there's at least one color they share in common. Cool. It seems like we. Yeah, it seems like MCR gets the uh, w- wins this round. Okay. All right. Finish him. Finish him. All right. Uh, so let's go on to the next round. Uh, We'll go go uh, one two three and then go okay. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, one, two, three. Captain Beefheart. Regina Specter. I actually didn't hear yours because <laughs> I was talking. <laughs> I told you this is a stupid idea. <laughs> well, it just doesn't work now. You have to just tell me again. <laughs> Who is it? Sounds Cap- like you said cabin fever. Cabin Captain fe- Beefheart. Captain Beefheart. Beefarts. Captain <laughs> Beefheart. We made that joke. I'm sure everyone has. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right, you talk about yours first. I'll, I'll talk about Captain Beefheart first. Um, you show me your Beefarts, and I'll show you my <laughs> Regina uh, Spectres. Uh, well, yeah, it breaks down there a little bit. Um, this is another, similar to the Velvet Underground, The Captain Beefheart is another extremely influential musician that never got wide acclaim. Um and I think to an extent he and his band were very into like psychedelia and drove a lot of that movement um, and did some really experimental stuff. Um, I watched part of a YouTube video talking about like why this, I forget what it's called. The, the title of it was something like why this unlistenable album is the best album ever made or something like that. And it was about trout mask replica. Um, unlistenable so I, album <laughs> yeah something like that it was like yeah. or why this shitty sounding album is really good or whatever interesting um so i think there's a some really interesting things to uncover there uh and here is a sound sample not from trout mask replica probably from a less experimental album and this song is titled sure enough and yes i do Yeah, that that sounds a little bit like uh, Tom Waits almost. Yeah, I hear that. A little mm-hmm. growly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mixed with uh, Americana. Yeah. yeah. It says on Wikipedia, his music blended elements of blues, free jazz, rock, and avant-garde composition with idiosyncratic rhythms, surrealist wordplay, and his wide vocal range, commonly reported as five octaves. That's a lot. That's a lot. 
and uh, he hung out. Most he people was, can, like non-singers, can only sing like an octave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so five times that. Um, yeah. And he was childhood friends with Frank Zappa, and I've listened to some Frank Zappa and enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I feel like people who are into Frank Zappa are also into Captain Beefheart. Mm-hmm. Like the same kinds of people. Yeah, and this is interesting, just like reading some of his Wikipedia stuff, like after Trout Mask Replica did not, that came out in 1969, um, an album variously described as unlistenable, a joke, and a masterpiece, which is very interesting. Um, And after 1974, he was frustrated by not having commercial success, so he started going for a more conventional rock sound. And then uh, I think his last album was 1982. Is that right? One, Do you know two, how three, four, how his five, uh, six, conventional rock sound was uh, received? Uh, not well. It was panned <laughs> by critics because they were like, this isn't that experimental shit we like. Right. <clears throat> I think the, the song I played was probably from one of those uh, conventional rock sound albums. Yeah, that didn't sound too wild. I mean, no. he sounded like a little a little crazy, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was... What album is that from? That was from... No, that was from Safe as Milk. That was the one... There's his first album before he started getting into the weird shit with Trout Mask Replica. Okay. Yeah, so I think this would be our first experimental music artist. And yeah, someone who's the, like actually obscure. Yeah, who's ab- actually obscure, uh, even more so than Velvet Underground, and yeah. was like, I mean, I I think from what I understand that he's like one of the people who kind of invented experimental rock music, at least. Yeah. Cool. So like the the thing to uncover there is just like what's going on? Why is this overlooked? Like, uh-huh. how is how it influential? Is mm-hmm. How underrated is it? Yes, exactly. And of course, the uh, centerpiece of that would be Trout Mask Replica, the unlistenable joke masterpiece. How many albums are there? 13. Okay, that's a lot. (laughs) It's quite a few. That's almost as many as ICP. Uh, All right. Uh, You want to talk about Regina Spector? Yeah. Um, So, Regina Spector was my favorite artist for a time when I was in high school. I am a classically trained piano player, um, although I haven't played, I guess it would be better to say I was one, um, but that was my main <laughs> sort of musical outlet um, for 12 years of my life, was playing uh, classical music, um, mm-hmm. less so in the latter portion of that, but um, you know, that's every week I take an hour lesson and I practice hour every day and playing Debussy and... Um, Beethoven and etc. Rachmaninoff. The and, first um, the first time someone told me about WC, uh, which is I think that's basically how you pronounce it in French, like uh, French WC. Uh, I thought they yeah. were saying WC. I was like, who right. is this piano player who's who's like a water closet or like WC Fields or something? <laughs> like, what's happening here? Why does he just have initials? <laughs> Uh, toilet man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so the into piano this, player. this French piano player. His name's Toilet Man. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't get it. 
it just means um it just means like cologne he just wore a lot of cologne <laughs> Mm, oh yes uh uh eau de toilette, eau de toilette. yes toilette. yeah i mean uh, in Regina french Spectre, literally though. it just means of the bussy of the bussy <laughs> yeah and uh as we all know bussy is just ha- is a french slang for bus yeah so i around this you know so i was starting to get into songwriting and i was like who are songwriters that play the piano and uh, I found Regina Spector because she was really popular in uh, er- my early uh, high school days. So I guess that would be um, seven, six, five, four, two thousand three. Wait, um, she was popular in two thousand three? Yeah, dude. Oh wow, I didn't get it. I didn't hear about her until like two thousand six with "Begin to Hope." Um, yeah, I think I started listening to her 2003 and 2004. Is, is 2006 really when Begin to Hope came out? I don't think that's right. It came out uh, 2006, yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, maybe maybe I'm misremembering, but she was definitely really important to me. Um, she sounded different. She Her voice, uh, you know, uh, she uses a lot of glottal stops, which is where you, instead of... Um, when you pronounce a vowel, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a word, uh, when you start a word with a vowel, um, like apple, um, you either have to aspirate a little bit before the A, like apple, <laughs> <laughs> or you have to go apple, and that's the glottal stop. Like if you don't, um, you know, uh, tack it on to the end of another word, or if it's just starting, you know, from, from scratch... <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're just pronouncing apple. You have to do a glottal stop. It's that uh, 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 eh, eh, e, e, o, o, u. It's like this um, back of the throat sound. And she used it musically. So she sounded like really bizarre in the way that she sang because um, she'd use all these glottal stops on purpose. Um, and uh, she sung about kind of quirky characters and it was all very surreal and it was very interesting and she played piano really beautifully mm-hmm. um and i yeah i like learned to play a lot of her songs and i really loved her music and i followed her and uh i don't know necessarily why i stopped but i was really interested in her and it listening to her at the time made me feel kind of special like i was listening to someone that was um different um, and it made me feel like I like had, uh, I don't know, like some sort of insight that was <laughs> different than what, <laughs> you know, put, I don't know, made me feel special. It was like an identity thing. Cause she wasn't like, even though, you know, she had a extreme, she was extremely popular <laughs> and like, she was like a huge, had huge radio hits and stuff mm-hmm. at the time, uh, listening to her back catalog made me, inter- um, yeah, feel good about myself i guess mm-hmm. um so i have a lot of personal stake in it um i'm interested in covering her because she's a piano player i don't mm-hmm. think we've really covered like piano like a piano player yet no we haven't like um so that's she has two things she's a really interesting vocal performance uh well she's also a very interesting um uh lyric l- lyricist and I remember uh, she's her writing piano player. really good lyrics. I remember um, Samson being a very interesting song lyrically from Begin to Hope. Yeah, she's like a like a surreal storyteller. Um, so I'm 
personally interested in going back and seeing if that stuff holds up for me or not, um, or if I like it even better. Um, mm-hmm. So that's personal reason. Uh, also, I have this sort of idea that uh, that the what is it? The bloom came off the rose. <laughs> it's something like that. Yeah. Is uh, like the bloom is she off had the rose. This kind of, Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had this like quirky beginning, and then she somewhere along the line like licensed a, or wrote a song for the second like Narnia movie, and like started like huh. <laughs> kind of making much more accessible music. And I, I feel like people kind of stopped, like her fan base kind of stopped checking in. Um, and I'm wondering, like, is, did she actually? <laughs> Did she actually sell out or um, how, how did her fans respond to that? Um, you know, it's, it's like Joanna Newsom, like got vocal notes for her crazy singing and then started singing in a way that was more accessible, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, did, how do people feel about that? So I'm interested in like, you know, a, what happens when an artist starts really alternative and obscure and, you know, maybe like Captain Beefheart like becomes more, conventional in some ways and then is the core of what she is like has to offer musically has that stayed intact um despite um some of the things on the surface being a little more palatable Mm -hmm. um or is all that she had to offer in the first place was um you know a little bit of quirkiness also Mm. uh these days um uh, quirkiness is sort of derided as being like a, uh, often I think it's derided in a sort of sexist way. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, like, uh, uh, oh, you're just being like a manic pixie dream girl or something, which is awful <laughs> that people have turned that phrase around. Yeah. Um, it, be, it initially you know, began as a critique of sexist character tropes and now has become a sexist, uh, like weapon, which sucks. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm interested in yeah, like really listening to her music as someone who in a post in a post adorkable uh, society, you know, and like what's really what is really had like what does she really have to offer? Um, what now that I'm now that I'm no longer interested in quirkiness for quirkiness' sake, what is there of yeah. value in this music? Speaking yeah. speaking of quirkiness, uh, her music was featured prominently in the movie Five Hundred Days of Summer. Yeah, that's Which, a real intersection of... <laughs> yeah, I feel like that entire movie is all about um, a man who's trying to cast a woman as his Manic Pixie Dream Girl, and she's just like, no, dude, no, I'm not your Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And that is... Isn't that Zoe Deschanel? Yeah. It, which is <laughs> sort of the... Like the, the er-quirker. The, the er, yeah, er the, quirk, the, adorkable. She's sort of the one who like went down with the ship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's not doing too bad. She's on the news girl and um, whatnot. <laughs> Newsies, but girls this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It worked so well for Ghostbusters and it was, uh, yeah, the fan base just loved it. Uh, we have a few song samples you, you have two, two of them, two. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, let's do the uh, Ode to Divorce first. This is from Soviet Kitsch. I think it's the first track on Soviet Kitsch, mm-hmm. um, which it was her like third album, but the earliest album that I ever listened to. Um, so she's from Russia, like she was born in Russia. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Yeah, the song uh, Ode to Divorce is beautiful, and the the lyrics are awesome. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I really appreciated it at the time. But uh, the piano is these uh, is just these open fifths played on the piano. Like, the way the piano's laid out, you can really play non-chordal music with it. Um, and she does a lot of cool textural stuff that's not any particular chord. So she's just traveling up and down in fifths, mm-hmm. doing all this cool stuff. And um, the song is just about um, about a divorce and the a, a very very creative way of talking about how this person feels. And in this scene, um, the speaker is inside the mouth of her divorcee. Um, behind the tonsils, peeking over their molars and what? watching them flirt. Wait, what? Um, what? Hang on. That, <laughs> she's imagining that she's like inside the mouth, looking out of the mouth. It's like mm-hmm. a vor thing. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I mean, I'm into that. I mean, yeah. Uh, she's inside the mouth, like looking out and watching, sort of in like a being John Malkovich kind of way. Like, um, her divorcee like uh f- flirt with a new woman i see let's take and a listen i think listen. it's like a really yeah yeah i'm inside your mouth now behind your And then it's followed by the lyric, I need your money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's very interesting. Um, Yeah. That's like a really interesting, like, metaphor. It's poetic writing that's like, why are you using this metaphor? You know, like, why are you painting this picture? It's surreal, but it kind of makes sense. But I can't necessarily describe why, but I believe it, which I think is like... Not not to get too, non-poetic like, bluffing. Like I think it's real, sorry. you know. Yeah. Um, so not to get too uh, programmatic or anything, but for a while there, we were sticking pretty close to the rule that we shouldn't have had much experience with an artist in order to cover them. And so maybe we should talk about that and how we're thinking about uh, it might be okay for us to revisit artists who we knew when we were younger and like back in the day and probably misunderstood in our own way back then. Something like right. that, right? Uh, yeah, we've had so much criteria. And if we're going to keep the show going, I think it's ultimately like a practical thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we're going to like keep the show going, like I think we're going to have to like find some of the, like bend some of those rules or break some of those rules or change them. Um, some bend some of those folds. Yeah. <laughs> Toldy folds. We, I think we've talked about Ben folds enough on this show. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think that I think the deconstructing nostalgia is interesting to me, and I think that's something that we can't do if we're ruling out artists that we've listened to. Yeah, but unless it's someone else's Regina nostalgia. Regina Spector has seven albums. I've only really listened to two. 
I've only really listened to one and then another one a little bit, but not much. So I, I still think that there's like a lot of mystery there and a lot of stuff that I don't know about. And there's still a value in digging into a discography to getting yeah uh, perspective. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's this, this, uh, decision time, I guess. Uh, let's, let's try keep it rolling. Um, do you want to be more contemporary or explore digging up the past and uh, uh, going, going uh, archaeology style? Well, I'm interested in Captain Beefheart, but in, in more of a leap of faith kind of way. Ah, you know what I mean? Uh-huh, yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know about him, so I don't have a lot of preconceived notions about him, uh, and I don't even know that many people who have p- opinions about him. Yeah, me too. He's um, obscure, he's like obscure but well-known in a, this, a weird way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd, be, I'd be willing to go with Captain Beefheart um, f- in, in the name of good faith. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to vote for him, but I, I don't think I can ever, I mean, that's the thing. If we're ever going to like go outside, like really outside of, uh, our paradigms, um, and eventually I will have to, you know, cause we, there's a finite resource, you know, for right. like artists that, <laughs> you know, uh, that we don't know that well, or like could know more, but but aren't completely foreign to us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like we're going to like break that rule too. So I think I I would be willing to fold in the in the in the name of good faith and exploration um and and f- if we choose Captain Beefheart um find something to be interested in. Yeah. Okay. What are you what are you feeling? I'm 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 leaning towards Captain Beefheart. Yeah, uh, Regina right. Spector is a really good pick, but uh, I just like the idea of taking a leap into the unknown. Cat pain, uh, bee fart. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, uh, we, let's take a quick break. Commercial break. Just kidding, I need to pee. Oh, the commercial pee. While Cameron's away, listener, I will... Uh, let you in on a little secret. I don't know if Cameron is going to cut this part out because as I said, he's editing this week, but I just wanted to let you know. And I guess let you know, Cameron, because you'll hear this when you're editing. I, Oh, what (laughs) are you listening while you're peeing? (laughs) I don't know if I'm okay with that. Um, well, I got to put my, my, uh, my hand on my dick too, just so we're even. What do you think of that? Huh? I'm not actually doing it. Um, I ate an entire container of drunken noodles uh, beginning in What's in the Box Weekly and then continuing into uh, Think Outside the Box set. So I wonder if there's going to be little Easter eggs for Cameron to find of lip smacking and chomping and nom, 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 nom. So if my voice sounds weird at the beginning, that's why. Yeah, I mean, I'm not slurping them up. You didn't seem to hear anything. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's hard to hear uh, anything over Skype at all, as a rule. Um, but yeah, I, I also pride myself on eating 
as silently as possible because I have a, a just a little touch of the the misophonia or misophonia or however it's pronounced. I'm just like the noises getting on my nerves. It's sort of like a reverse ASMR. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Uh, he's back, and nothing happened in the interim. It was total silence. <laughs> right, Cam? Right. <laughs> Not a single Easter egg. All right. Um, well, should we yeah, go next on to one. Uh, number three? Number three. Okay. Again, on three, if I can figure out who. Oh, yeah, I know who. Okay. One, two, three. Tracy Chapman. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh. Hot Chili Peppers or Tracy Chapman. Oh. Tracy Chapman. I don't know how Fast hot R. she is and to what color that would be. But mm. we have some chili peppers who are hot in the re- in that red way uh let's uh, should i go first yeah because i went first last time let's do you want to listen to sound sample first yeah so this is from this is the song with maybe a problematic title called fight like a brave um huh. and this is from one of their earlier albums uplift mofo party plan uh-huh got a little, almost a beastie boys vibe yes so uh this is probably the if we do this this will definitely be the artist that i'm most familiar with going into a season uh i've listened to a fair amount of their albums mm-hmm. um and i actually got into them <clears throat> in high school or maybe in middle school whatever stadium arcadium came out it was this like double length album 2004 um, maybe yeah, that sounds about right. And it was one of the. It was among the first albums that I like went out to buy myself with my own money. Um, but yeah, I uh, really liked it at that time. At that time, they were definitely like a poppier, soft rock adult contemporary sound, and not just yep. like uh, <laughs> a funk punk stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, but I'm I'm interested in them because they are a band that existed for decades and decades and decades. Like they've been around so long. Um, let's see. When did their first album come 1984. out? 1984. And their last album, the getaway came out in 2016. Yeah. So like, they're like an old band and they changed a lot. They really did. Yeah. They went from that, uh, beastie boys, funk, punk rap stuff to like, as you said, soft rock. Yeah. And then they've, you know, reincorporated some of those original elements back to back in, but yeah, I'm yeah. Interested in that. Uh, it's a band that more or less survived. At least two of the members did Anthony Kiedis and uh, flea. Um, and they stuck around together for a long time and uh, changed their sound. They grew up uh, for better or worse, you know, musically um, mm-hmm. became dads and, uh, yeah, I'm interested in that. Uh, also, I'm interested in Red Hot Chili Peppers because it's a nostalgia thing where I was really, really into them at the time because in eighth grade is when I picked up the uh, electric bass. 
And I was like, who are artists that specifically are known for their bass playing? So I chose some of the, you know, kind of most obvious. <laughs> I found some of the most obvious artists, uh-huh, like, like Flea. Uh, Flea and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. I was interested in the slapped bass, which um, the early albums are absolutely full of. Mm-hmm. So They're absolutely full of it. I And uh, mm-hmm. I always liked... Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, lyrics, and now I wonder if any of them at all are going to hold up, because I think it's almost entirely poetic bluffing. (laughs) Ah, yeah, that sounds like something I want to experience 11 albums of. Right. Uh, In in revisiting, as like, when I was preparing... this list i was reading these lyrics i'm like ooh, i don't know about this <laughs> <laughs> it's also probably a fair amount of problematic shit huh i think so i the then the song after fight like a brave um which i think is insensitive um i like just the title i don't know if anything else about the song is insensitive but uh the song the next song after that is funky crime and the song is entirely about how they're white and they're playing funk inspired music and people are like getting on their case about it. <laughs> oh, there it's a real play that funky music white boy. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think within the context of the song, it seems like they're not necessarily getting hassled by black folks, but maybe more just by like the music, uh, review industry and like saying like, what are you doing playing this music? You know, like, um, and they're, pushing back against it but still it's like that attitude i don't know (laughs) yeah Hmm. um so i don't know i after suggesting them uh in in my bracket and committing to putting them in my bracket now i'm a little bit hesitant ah that's interesting i have a little bit of experience with red hot chili peppers i um heard their they were all over the radio back when i listened to the radio oh, in the yes. early aughts um mostly singles from mother or blood sugar sex magic californication and by the way i think yeah. those all had like some really big singles on them uh and then i i the only one i ever owned i think was blood sugar sex magic and maybe californication it's hard to say um yeah so i was like s- kind of enjoyed them for a while um and then i kind of just turned on them as like these guys bleh yeah playing their dumb like generic soft rock (laughs) yeah so i kind of like wrote them off after a certain point so i don't know it could be could be an interesting band to revisit could also just be uh 11 weeks of uh, just tiresome repetition saying, here's another poetic bluff and here's another poetic bluff. And here's another yeah. One. As much as they changed, I don't know if they ever really became like good songwriters. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Anthony Kiedis, especially, um, I remember one interview where an interviewer was asking about his lyrics and like, you know, doing kind of a close read of the lyrics and Anthony Kiedis had the gall to say, you should do, uh listeners should you know research and if you really are fans of us you'll understand these references oh my god (laughs) okay which i don't think is true yeah (laughs) i think he's just bullshitting because his lyrics don't mean anything at all yep um so let's talk about tracy chapman i uh she's most famous for fast car of course um but here's a sound sample of her second most listened song on spotify which I recognized. I was like, oh, I know this song. I didn't know this was Tracy Chapman. It's called Give Me One Reason. Give me one reason to 
that's a cool song. I like that. Hmm. Um, Why are you interested in Tracy Chapman uh, for this show? Because, well, it was, well, suggested by a listener, of course. Um, I know the song Fast Car. I really like that. Um, But I don't know much about Tracy Chapman. And uh, I'm kind of attracted to the idea of a, uh, well, I guess a two-hit wonder she would be like yes. i think she had two fairly big songs um and also she's a black woman doing a lot of times like kind of folk folk rock music yes uh, which is not that common um and there's a little bit of a local connection uh she is from cleveland but uh what played around boston uh busking in harvard square playing yeah. at club Passim. And other coffee houses around here. Huh. Um, she went to Tufts, apparently, which is right by uh, Harvard Square, sort of a mile or two away. Um, yeah, it's it's so this would uh, mostly be like another kind of leap of faith. Um, I, I also the connection, the other connection I have with Tracy Chapman is a friend of mine gave me like three or four Tracy Chapman LPs a while back. And um, I got rid of them during one of my purges because I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know, what, what, are the, what are these? And I got rid of them, and I had never, I didn't actually listen to them, which is dumb. Mm. I don't know. I just like you, dummy. I, I am, yeah. Um, so let's see. She's got three, six, eight albums uh, up through two thousand and eight. Um, but yeah, she's she's like really into activism. <laughs> I think it's possible that she writes very good songs that are actually about things. Um, mm. Apparently she was in a relationship with Alice Walker in the nineties, which is like, yeah, that's pretty dope. So yeah, she sounds like a really interesting, uh, interesting person. Yeah. I guess I'm kind of attracted to the, the literary uh, aura that I feel kind of emanating off of her as like a, a mm. literary person, a literary songwriter. But Nathan, how are we going to choose between her and Red Hot Chili Peppers, the the authors of Funky Crime? <laughs> that does seem That's, like they'd be equally good songwriters, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I I don't know. I kind I kind of I kind of well. I want to push for Tracy Chapman, but then I don't want to just constantly be pushing my artist that I brought to the, this, this I table. think I'm going to push my artist next, unless you get a real ringer. So, Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. I guess we'll see. Uh, but as far Tracy as this Chapman. round goes, you ready to do Tracy Chapman? Honestly, I, I, I was turned off of red hot chili peppers. Uh, <laughs> I was turned off of them, uh, in revisiting them and preparing for this episode. Okay. I remembered. Yeah. <laughs> who they were. <laughs> okay. So yeah, Tracy Chapman moves up to the next round. Okay. Okay, last of the first round on the count. Uh, well, three and then go, right? One, right. two, three. Janelle Monet. You too. Me oh. also. <laughs> uh, you go first. Janelle Mo. Mo is it Mo Monet? Janelle Monet. Yeah. 
um, though there's a there's an accent over the A. So for a second, I thought it was like pronounced separately. But Janelle Monet, um, I think so. So so bear with me for a minute because okay. to a certain extent, we want, as we say on our log line, we want to cover artists who are overlooked, dismissed, or misunderstood. I don't yeah. think she's very overlooked. She seems phenomenally successful. Um, yes. <laughs> but I think her success is almost entirely uh, uh, confined to millennials who are younger than us. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's the impression that I get, that she's, she's a young person's artist. And us, as the olds, don't really know much about her. Like, I, I know almost nothing about her and uh, didn't know any of her songs. Have you, have you listened to her? No. I have listened to Dirty Computer constantly since it came out. Oh, really? It's incredible. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's, so, it's so goddamn good. It came out last year. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, God. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah, we just like... It's like my... I mean, this is highest, highest praise. Uh-oh. Like, if we have company over and I'm cooking food and we're hanging out in the kitchen... I'm playing Janelle Monet. Like that's like my cooking jam. Oh, hmm. It's like how I emanate like hospitality. <laughs> Interesting. Because it's okay. just like so fun. She raps like not a lot in that album, but when she does, her flow is incredible. It's so goddamn good. <laughs> She's also a pretty great actress. She was really good in Moonlight. I haven't seen Moonlight. Oh my I God. Really that it. is like one of my favorite films ever. It is so fucking good, dude. All right. I'll watch it. Um, yeah. Mahershala Ali is in it. He is very good. And the, the lead actor whose name is clicking on Wikipedia. Trevante Rhodes is also very good. Hmm. Oh, it's such a good movie. All right. Um, yeah. So that's interesting that you have this experience with her. I wonder if it's just me and everyone knows her, but me. Maybe. I mean, I didn't listen. I I listened to arch Android a little bit and I didn't like it nearly as much. I think I just jumped on the bandwagon after a dirty computer. I see. Okay. Uh, I think there's probably a lot to dig into here because she has a, 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 a like a seven record or a seven part, concept album thing going on uh she's done three or four of these parts it starts with metropolis suite one the chase uh that was her first debut ep and then arch android was the second part of that and i if wikipedia says that it is um some sort of like overarching kind of future like afro futurist sci-fi like android thing going on um, inspired by the the film Metropolis from the 1920s. And yeah. I'm very attracted to that. I don't know. There, there's part of me that thinks like, oh shit, maybe, maybe uh, some of the stuff that I love from the Flaming Lips I'm going to find here also. That kind of like the, the, the sci-fi presence in music in a way that is not stupid. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, she has some really interesting guest stars. Like this song, Dance or Die, features uh, Saul Williams, who I know from the, the old poetry days. Uh, he's a musician and poet. old poetry days. Yeah, old poetry days. Um, she also has a song that of Montreal is on. 
which is re- uh, was referenced by the person who uh, suggested Janelle Monet, Monet, uh, who was Snivets? No, Mime Jelly. Mm. But then uh, seconded by Ian and thirded by Snivets. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Th- so this song is called Dance or Die and features Saul Williams. So the final the final thing I want to say about Janelle Monet as a pitch for her is I think to the extent that she is recognized or popular or uh, widely known, it's sort of for her pop sensibilities and for her singles. And I'm really interested in this overarching statement that she appears to be making in this uh, like concept album cycle. Yeah, I'm very interested in that. I'm, I'm very. I, I think there is a very good chance that there is a shitload of substance to her music that is not widely recognized. Maybe I, I have such a hard time saying. <laughs> I do not know like what the popular image of Janelle Monae is. Yeah, I mostly just know about her. Like, oh, is she dating so and so? Stuff like that. Yeah. Is she dating that woman from Thor? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and her album, which is, yeah, great. Yeah, interestingly enough, movie. Dirty Computer is the the first album she did that was not part of the uh, Metropolis uh, concept album mm, arc. A little break ski from that. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know. Uh, do, do you have any, do you have stuff to say, more stuff to say about uh, Janelle Monet, or do you want to talk about you too? No, let's talk about you two. We got to wrap up soon because I got to go get my kid. Oh but, yeah, um, that's true. We are getting there. All right. I as much as I love Dirty Computer and I'm interested in exploring Janelle Monae, I think we should do you two. And here's why. Uh, I feel like they're just like a real prime candidate for Think Outside the Box set and like what this show knows how to do. What we've established that the show already knows how to do, um, which is uh, talk about dismissed artists. <laughs> Because, oh boy, have they been dismissed. I dismiss them, honestly. Uh, you dismiss them? I do. Yeah. Um, I still do. You still do. Uh, I have not listened to any of their albums. I've heard a fair amount of singles. Uh, they do have 14 albums, which oh, maybe no. isn't the part that I'm crazy about. Um, but I think they're really interesting. Um, and their story, you know, like they're from, aren't they from like Northern Ireland? Um, Dublin, not North, think, not Northern Ireland. Oh, well, I'm interested in their like longevity, longevity, how long they've been around, how they've grown, how, um, they were sort of seen as just these spiritual, uh, and moral rock stars. That's right. And yeah. Which I'm interested in, like as that as an idea, you know, um, popular sort of popular spirituality, um, and I feel like they were sort of into activism in a way, like before it was like sort of sort of seen like into <laughs> earlier ideas of wokeness, maybe before like 
wokeness was in the zeitgeist, which I'm kind of interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm interested in that story. And also, they ex- they blew up, and then everyone got sick at them, sick of them, all of the sudden. Um, and and that, absolutely, well, tired that's of happened them. multiple times. I don't know which time you're referring to. <laughs> I think it happened with that, like, was it Vertigo album? The Hello, Hello album. Well, it happened in the early 90s, too. Really? They Yeah, they blew up uh, in the 80s, um, and then they started doing really experimental weird shit with Octung Baby and Zuropa and, to a lesser extent, Pop. Interesting. They did, like, a bunch of weird shit in the 90s, and people were just like, what? We don't like them anymore. And then all yeah. that you can't leave behind was their return to superstardom. Return to relevance. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm interested in that, like, uh, you know, oscillation. Yeah. Um, And there are still people who say, like, I get why people are resentful of them for Songs of Innocence, the uh, mandated album that everyone have on their (laughs) Apple devices. (laughs) The non-consensually pushed album, yeah. Yeah, but people still say, like, there's good stuff on there. And, you know. Not that like people should listen to it, but that they're like writing it off um, just because of it, which I think makes sense and is valid. But I'm interested in listening to it like on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a couple sound samples. Um, one is this song, uh, Landlady. Do you want to? And th- this is from Songs of Experience, which came out um, in, I think, 2017. So this is the first album after their. <laughs> They're mandated. They're doing a real uh, William Blake thing, aren't they? Right? Yeah. All right. Landlady. Landlady. Oh, my God. I'm already going to sleep. Oh my god, it's so boring. I am put to sleep. You... Oh my god. It is, it is the softest of rocks to lay your head down upon. <laughs> it's, it's it's not even soft so rock, it's soft I, pillow. I'm I'm interested in this in this song because uh this is a song about um apparently Bono's uh wife um uh, paid the rent for their band when they were getting started um, because they didn't have any money. <laughs> mm, okay. And uh, this song is just sort of a thank you song to the, you know, this like uh, woman who sort of like kept them going when they, when no one else like, you know, believed in them, like, and couldn't sustain them. They, she was the only person sustaining them. Um, which, uh Yeah. I think it's interesting. And I think this course is, I think it's pretty well written. I think it's a pretty melody. And I think saying something's boring is pretty subjective, but, um, I was definitely put to sleep just because it's relaxing. Doesn't mean it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but I think there's some interesting things in just in, in the lyrics of this chorus. Um, the landlady takes me up in the air. Um, uh, I go, I go where I would not dare. The landlady shows me the stars up there. I'm weightless, weightless when she is there. Um, I think it's like kind of an interesting idea. He's saying that like he is allowed to explore and allowed to be himself because he has this grounding force in his life. Um, and I think just like the juxtaposition of like saying the landlady takes me up in the air is like kind of an interesting lyric. And I'm like, yeah, that's has more substance than a lot of what we've <laughs> does it uh, a lot of what we covered on the show. Okay. I think. Here, here I'm going to, I'm going to push back hard on this YouTube shit. Um, a, there's already been an entire podcast where people have listened to all of U2's discography and it was a much more successful show than ours. Um, B, I might have too much experience with U2. I've listened to probably like six or seven of their albums and am bringing a lot of uh, prejudice. And as you can hear, um, a lot, it's it's it can be very triggering for me so it wouldn't be like de- deconstructing nostalgia so much as uh triggering um and see i got i don't know it's just boring <laughs> they make boring music well i guess i'll i'll vote for janelle monet uh mostly just because i i refuse to be like trapped in a room with you for four months while you groan and are a grumpy asshole (laughs) that's fair (laughs) i probably would be so there's Uh, that there are some songs that i like but i think i would be a grumpy asshole about you too fine i'm sorry well am i i don't know if i'm sorry i might be a little bit sorry I'm interested in Janelle Monet, but um, maybe we could do. Yeah, I, maybe we, I'm not. I'm not curious about Janelle Monet. I think I'm just going to enjoy having her, uh, like listening to her music. I kind of doubt whether like I'm going to necessarily have like any insight. We'll see. Maybe we could do like a mini U2 season at some point where we listen to their experimental shit from the '90s that nobody listened to or bought, and then maybe? we could talk about their really recent stuff, like the non-consensual album. Yes. So I, I'd be open to that. I just, I don't know if I can go through the eighties and the early aughts of U2. And then I might be a grumpy uh, son of a bitch about the last couple albums because they're very boring to me. I don't, I don't know, man. It sounds like we should do Janelle Monet. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. All right. Um, let's do this real quick. Cause you got to go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wrote down, Oh shit. I wrote down um, Liza Minnelli. Uh, versus Captain Beefheart. Okay. And by Liza Minnelli, I, of course, mean My Chemical Romance. Um, I'm definitely leaning towards My Chemical Romance because yeah, I feel like I have more ideas about that. And we already have some other good faith, like, you know, leap, uh, leap of faith choices. Yeah. I, I, I really like the idea of exploring an entire subculture, uh, especially one that was widely maligned. Um, and we found a lot right. to love in the Juggalo subculture. Yeah. So let's uh, let's say My Chemical Romance. Yeah. My Chemical Romance. Okay. For a short season nine. Yeah. Because it would be what? Four albums long? Yeah. And then uh, Tracy Chapman versus Janelle Monet. Interesting. How many albums does, does she have? Eight? Uh, Tracy Chapman? Tracy Chapman. I think she has eight. That's not well. that many. 
Um, it's a little bit more, of course, than Janelle Monet, who has, I think, four. Right. Yeah. Well. Tracy Chapman, eight albums. Hmm. I feel like I'm a little bit more interested in the person and legacy of Tracy Chapman. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm really interested in both of them, but, uh, uh, but I think I might be more interested in the music of Janelle Monet. I think so too, for me. Um, what I've heard from Tracy Chapman isn't necessarily the most compelling stuff uh, musically. Um, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of that kind of like folky stuff. Um, folk meaning like the folk revival. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the Kingston trio. Well, and all, Peter Paul and Mary and Tracy Chapman. All the, all the music that spawned from that. So like from, I don't know, like, Joan Baez through Bob Dylan through like Tracy Chapman is definitely like the spiritual legacy of that. Uh, I don't know enough about her to confirm that, but I'll believe you. I actually don't know enough about her to say that either, but based on the two songs I've heard, (laughs) um, I'll believe you because it's not my fault. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, all right. Which which one is a better choice to give the listeners though, who are going to take this poll? My Chemical Romance versus Tracy Chapman, or uh, Liza Minnelli versus Janelle Monae? And by Liza Minnelli, I of course mean My Chemical <laughs> the Romance. The way you phrased that really <laughs> fucked with me. <laughs> I'll, that'll teach you to try to understand my sentences that I say. Oh boy, um, I'm leaning. I'm leaning towards Janelle Monae. I kind of am I think too. There's, uh, I think. A, str- a, a really strong musical choice versus a a really strong cultural choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think Janelle Janelle Monae's cultural impact um, is is important, but not necessarily as you know. It's not like it's not like she it's has not an like entire hip hop and R and B says like. Um, cites her as the first artist right. for its genre. Yeah, exactly. Like emo does on Wikipedia. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, she isn't like widely revered in an entire subculture. Okay. Yeah, I'm into that. My Chemical Romance versus Janelle Monet. Yeah, yeah, that's a good choice. And so now, listeners, it's up to you to make the choice for us. Which would you like to hear us listen to? I think they'd both be pretty short seasons. And then yes. I think we have a an idea for who we would cover after that. Um, yeah. So it'd be three studio albums for Janelle Monet and four for My Chemical Romance, right? Uh, I thought it was four for Janelle Monet. Uh, oh, they're not counting the EP. We'd have to listen to the EP, the Metropolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it would be four, especially for a short season like that. Yeah, four to four. Um, yeah. So we'll have a link in the show notes for you to vote. And you can choose which one you'd like us to listen to. Which one you'd like to listen to us listen to, that is. Right. Yeah. Now, um, here's, here's the question. Um, when this, so, so we're doing this in advance. So this episode, I believe, will be coming out on the 23rd. Oh, yes, and I believe you so. And you and I are thinking about recording an episode on the 26th. Oh yeah. Are you and I going possibly. to do the first the the first episode of uh of season nine then? Or are we gonna do just some sort of 
like filler? final one-off or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Also, I, I also want to say, I think we should do more like seasons like this, like where we kind of scatter and like, okay. don't go too deep or feel like yeah. too trapped in any one artist. I think that was good for our health, for our relationship. I agree. It was nice to just take some time to work on us, you know, on us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let, let's plan for that. If we record on the 26th, I'm sure this, this has got to be such compelling listening content. If we record on the 26th, we should just do uh, probably the last episode of season eight. Because um, yeah. the one we're doing right now uh, just counts as the uh, t- out of time, timeless uh, bracket episode. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll do the last episode of season eight, um, and then you will have. I don't. I don't think we're going to record again until like the tenth. Um, so yeah. we're going to take a one a one week break, but that will give you guys um, uh, like a week and a half to vote. Yeah, they'll have plenty of time. Or no, like two like two weeks. Uh, yeah. Am I going crazy? No, it'd be two weeks. Yeah, we could give them from till the like the seventh. We could go from twenty third to thirty, thirtieth yeah. through the seventh. Yeah. So you can really rack up those votes. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, as we do another bracket episode. I hope that they're interesting to listen to as we just fumble around trying to talk about uh, artists that we either don't know at all or know all too well. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, until next week. Yeah, that's me. Until next week where we finish up season eight, I've been Nathan Hunt and I'm an unlistenable joke masterpiece. And I've been Cameron Duet and uh, Cameron Duet. Fuck. <laughs> Who have you been? <laughs> I've been Cameron Dewitt and help. I'm trapped with a U2 hater, grumpy person. That's me. <laughs>I don't know. What do you want from me? N- nothing. <laughs> N- nothing at all? Oh. oh. Cool. Well, all right. I got a bike. Thanks, dog. See you soon. Ruff, ruff. Bye. Bye.